and the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia arose and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have learned, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council and set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Is this so? And Stephen said, Brethren and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Iran, and said to him, Depart from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land which I will show you. Then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans, and lived in Haran. but promised to give it to him in his possession and to his posterity after him, though he had no child. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and earth my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumscribed and uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now
ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus reigned over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is born. Today we are on the third day of Christmas. The first day is always on Christmas Day, and the twelfth day is always on the fifth of January, which is that transition 
out of the feast of the Nativity and into the four feasts of Theophany. And the church always looks at the feast of the Nativity and the feast of Theophany as bookends of the same event of the Incarnation and what it means for us in the world. And every year the Dorances during Christmas try to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And the theme of that movie, if you've never seen it, is what would happen if George Bailey were never born? And so the movie goes into what would it have been like if George Bailey had never been born and all of these terrible things would have happened. And so the movie shows that it was very worthwhile that George Bailey was indeed born and he's a great man and he has done tons of beautiful things to help lots of people and they come and support him and it has a happy ending. And the Dorrances like movies with happy endings. So I thought, what would it have been like if Jesus hadn't been born? If there was no Feast of the Nativity, if there was no Incarnation, what would it be like for us? Because it's so easy for us to take for granted all of these things. But what would it be like if this great feast had never been born and none of the other things would have happened? God wouldn't have become man. There would have been no crucifixion, no trampling down death by death, no bestowing life to those in the tombs, no third day resurrection, no promise of a second coming, no promise of eternal life, no hope for resurrection. There would be no church because He would not have come and then sent the Holy Spirit. You would not have the mind of the church. You would not know the truth. There would be no one to remind you of all that Jesus ever said or did or promised. There would be no light, spiritual light, not man-made light. We would literally be walking in darkness. Darkness of understanding. If you don't believe that, look at the world groping for the truth right now. Look at all of the religions and what they're trying to make sense out of in terms of life. There would be no love. No love because God is the source of love. And when He became man and dwelt in our midst full of grace and truth and we beheld His glory, we beheld love incarnate. The source of love. And when He took on all that we are as human beings, He healed everything that was human, that was affected by sin and the fall. And so we would not have healing. We would not have peace. We would not have any of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
There would be no sacraments. Because if God hadn't become man, if the Creator hadn't become a part of His creation, then how could creation itself be the means of our receiving His uncreated divine energies? So there would be no union with Christ through baptism. We would still be slaves to sin. We would not have participated in His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and therefore we would not have participated in His newness of life. We would not have been sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We would not be able to be partakers of divine nature. None of this higher in honor than the cherubim and greater than beyond compare than the seraphim because there would be no mother of God, no queen of the heaven, no new Eve, no one to cry out, save me by your intercessions because we would have no intercessor in heaven crying out to her son with motherly boldness on our behalf. There would be no holiness because there would be no saints. Can you imagine no New Testament and nobody to interpret it and to pass down from one generation to the next the truth? For us to be able to say that the fathers of the church in the first century agree with those in the 4th century and they agree with those in the 6th century and agree with those in the 10th century so that we see the continuity of the action of the Holy Spirit throughout the ages. When I was grappling, I couldn't have said, I can go find out if this is the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith because history will record whether it is or isn't. There would have been no way to do that. We would have been on our own. If when, it, it, when I'm confronted with a problem, I pick up the scriptures. If I don't understand that, I pick up the Father's commentaries. If I don't know that, then I come to the church and I ask the priest. We wouldn't have the body of liturgical services. There wouldn't have been a first ecumenical council, a second ecumenical council, on through the seventh. We couldn't have said, this is the faith of the fathers, held everywhere by all and at all times. Because there would have been no faith. Because there would have been no fathers, no apostles. Nobody to adorn these walls. No stories like we hear right here of the holy archdeacon and first martyr Stephen. Nobody to read that this man was full of grace and power. That he did great wonders and signs among the peoples. We wouldn't have heard his sermon and asked, is this true of me too? We wouldn't have heard that he, just before, after being pummeled again and again and again by these rocks, looked up into heaven full of the Holy Spirit and gazed and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he would have never shared that with the people and then at the very end after he knelt to the ground ready to breathe his last he said do not hold this sin against them imitating God who became man who said the same thing on the cross but there wouldn't be a cross 
What is your greatest hope? Your hope above every hope. If you're like me, my greatest hope above every other desire and want and need is to be forgiven, to hear the words of God, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now I will give you responsibility and the inheritance of much. Come and enter into the joy and the peace and the fulfillment of a kingdom without end. Come and share all that I have reserved for you. You now have a room in my mansion and you will behold my glory, glory from glory to glory to glory to glory forever and ever. You will have no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sighing, no more suffering. But everything that a human being could ever want or need as a true human being without satiation, without boredom, without ever repeating anything twice again. This is my greatest hope and I'm sure it's your greatest hope. But this would not exist, it would not be before us. If there had been no nativity, no incarnation, if God had not indeed become man. So when we greet each other with Christ is born and the response, glorify Him. When we think about the 12 days of Christmas, and remember we're only in the third, we get nine more after today. Let us not, like the rest of the world, come to the feast unprepared. And leave it in a split second, not even having tasted the depth of its riches and its sweetness and its ramifications for us as human beings. Let us pause and add today to the list that I gave to you only in part of what life would be like if Jesus hadn't been born. If there had been no incarnation, no nativity, no Christmas. Christ is born. Amen.